Hello and welcome to this talk from Hersham Baptist Church. My name is Heather and it's great to be with you this morning. We're taking a break today from our series looking at God's 10 rules for life to think about something a little different. I want to talk about hope. Hope might seem to be in short supply at the moment. So many of us are tired. Some of us are grieving. Some of us feel broken down or trapped by our circumstances or by the absence of a clear way forward. But there is hope, even in the midst of this season. And it's that hope that I want to talk about this morning. Today is Remembrance Sunday, when we remember the lives of millions of men and women who have lost their lives fighting for their countries during war. And this week we also want to remember and reflect upon the loss of life being wrought by the COVID-19 virus and the accompanying lockdown. We might be tempted at the moment to echo the cries of King David in Psalm 18 when he says, The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. It's not very fashionable to talk about death. And in the West especially, we try our best to hide from it. We do our best to keep it hidden in hospital wards and in care home side rooms and in hospice beds. We run from death. It scares us. It offends that sense deep down inside of us that we were meant to live and not die. But it isn't so easy to hide from death during wartime. It lurks in the streets and on the fields and it's lined up in row upon row upon row of pristine white crosses that mark the soldiers' graves. And although not at war right now, once again we find ourselves facing death more closely. We check our news app for the daily death count. We listen to politicians speaking about models and curves and we stay behind our doors in fear of that great enemy, death. And yet the one certainty in life is death. Whether through war or plague or famine or disaster or sickness or injury, death comes to us all. So what are we to make of this? Is life really just about a few short decades on the earth, if even that? Or is there something more to life than this? I think we all want to say that there must be more to life than this. That's why we cry out at death. Everything in us says that this wasn't how it was meant to be. To answer that question, I want to show you some photos this morning. The first photo is of the War Memorial in Hersham, where we would usually be congregating this morning to lay wreaths of poppies in memory of those who have lost their lives in war. And the second photo is of the American Cemetery in Normandy, where there are 9,388 perfect white gravestones commemorating the lives of American soldiers lost in World War II. I could have picked photos of any war memorial in this country or pretty much any war cemetery around the world and they would all look pretty similar. And what we can see is that on every war memorial and on every war grave, we find the cross. Why the cross? 
Why was that symbol chosen above all others to mark these graves? It's because in the cross we find hope and the answer to all our questions about life and death and suffering. And it's this hope that I want to focus on this morning. Billy Graham, the great evangelist, put it like this. For the Christian, the cross tells us that God understands our suffering. For he took upon himself at the cross all our sins and all of our failures and all of our sufferings. Our Lord on that cross asked the question, why? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he received his answer. He knew to redeem the world, to save you and me from our sins, to give us assurance that if we die, we're going to heaven. He was saying from that cross, I love you and I know the heartaches and the sorrows and the pain that you feel. And so the cross is our symbol of hope. It's the symbol of hope that cries out from every war memorial and every war grave that there is indeed more to life than this. It's a powerful and moving image, isn't it? Those rows upon rows upon rows, thousands upon thousands of pristine white crosses. And because they're white, they almost shine. They visibly turn the darkness and the sorrow and despair of death into something bright and new and hopeful. I want to read another account of the hope of the cross from Pete Gregg's brilliant book, God on Mute. He says this. A story is told of the Nobel Prize winning Russian novelist Alexander Solzhenitsyn when he was imprisoned by Stalin in a Siberian gulag. One day, slaving away in sub-zero temperatures, he finally reached the end of his endurance. Discarding his shovel, he slumped onto a bench and waited for a guard to beat him to death. He'd seen it happen to others and was waiting for the first blow to fall. Before this could happen, an emaciated fellow prisoner approached Solzhenitsyn silently. Without a word of explanation, the prisoner scratched the sign of the cross in the mud and scurried away. As Solzhenitsyn stared at those two lines scratched in the dirt, the message of the cross began to converse with his sense of despair. In that moment, he knew that there was something greater than the Soviet Union. He knew that the hope of all mankind was represented in that simple cross. And through the power of the cross, anything was possible. Picking up his shovel, Alexander Solzhenitsyn slowly went back to his work. Nothing but the message of God's suffering could have inspired Solzhenitsyn to return to work that day. Only the presence of God at Golgotha could imbue the gulag with fresh possibilities. More than just the comforting knowledge of divine empathy, great as that is, the cross rekindled in Solzhenitsyn the actual hope that everything was possible for God. Even a Siberian concentration camp where all the evidence suggested otherwise. In fact, especially in such a place, the Christian gospel is the story of a God who breaks the rules of plausibility, often when we least expect it 
and in ways we could never have predicted. Living with an answered prayer, I need a big God, an awesome, unspeakably amazing God, a death-defying, eternal God, a God who dies in Siberian concentration camps and senseless car crashes in order to destroy death and release an indestructible life. I need a God whose promises are certain, a God who's been there before and can walk with me and counsel me and pray for me and prepare a place for me and who can even make all things work together for good. This then is the confession we cannot afford to compromise, even when it propels us into the realms of mystery and confusion. Our God is our Father, loves us completely, is all-powerful and will ultimately make all things new. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Those final words from Revelation chapter 21 and verses four to five. And so this is the hope that Solzhenitsyn found was not in being released from his present suffering in that gulag, but in the realisation that in the cross he could see the Son of God who suffers with him and for him and a power which gives hope that anything is possible. For the cross represents a death-defying God who raised Jesus from the dead and promises the same for all who trust in him. Solzhenitsyn realised that when all is said and done, although death would at some point catch up with him, what the cross promises is indestructible life. In Christ there exists the hope of a new life that can never be taken from us. So inspired by these stories, I spent a couple of days this week studying hope in the Bible. I don't mind telling you that I was feeling pretty shaken last week. I'm as fed up with lockdown as everyone else and desperate to be able to return to some form of normal human interaction. And I'm frustrated that I'm powerless to make this pandemic go away or pass any faster. I was feeling trapped in my own very comfortable 21st century gulag, wondering if this is it, if this is life from now on. And as I was wallowing in just a little bit of self-pity, I sensed God wanting to teach me and remind me of something important. Jesus warns us in John's Gospel that in this life you will have trouble. I think we can all agree with that. But Jesus doesn't stop at pointing out the obvious. He goes on to say, but take heart or have hope. I have overcome the world. What I needed to hear was that suffering and death will not have the last word. Do you know what I found when I looked up all the references to hope in the New Testament? They all point to the hope of the resurrection. Jesus who suffers with us and for us on the cross and has risen to new life, bringing with him the same hope of new life to all who will trust in him. What does this mean? Why does the cross give us hope? It gives us hope 
Firstly, because it shows us that we're not alone in our suffering. In the cross, we see a God who with us and for us. Jesus came down from heaven. He walked on the earth and then he took upon himself all the guilt and the sin and the pain of mankind and bore them in his body on the cross. Jesus knows what it is to suffer. And so he can comfort us in our suffering. We don't come to a cold and unfeeling God, but a God who draws near to us and identifies with us. He sees and he feels our pain. But secondly, and most importantly, the cross gives us hope because it is empty. Jesus didn't stay nailed on that cross, languishing in agony and death. When he had breathed his last and been placed in the tomb, he rose again on the third day. Though he suffered and died, he overcame death. He rose to new life, making the way for everyone who trusts in him to inherit that same eternal life, freeing us for good from sickness and pain and war and death. Suffering and death did not have the last word. Hope won. And that same hope is as alive today and available to us as it was 2,000 years ago. It shines out from those hundreds of thousands of gravestones this morning. Death is not the end. The cross is empty and the victory over death has been won. And this is Jesus' invitation to us all today in those famous words of John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God loves you. He loves you. He loves you so much that he hasn't abandoned you. He will not let you perish. He has good plans for your life and for mine. And he demonstrated just how much he cares for you by coming himself to earth to redeem us, by taking on death for us so that we will not perish but have eternal life. All we have to do is believe, to believe in Jesus and the hope that he brings. If you, like me, look around you and think, Surely there is meant to be more to life than this. Then come and put your trust in Jesus. He is the more. He is the hope. He is the answer to that aching in our hearts for a better world. Stop looking. He's already here and he takes us as we are with all our fears and all our failures and all our doubts and all our sin. Come and lay them at his feet. Acknowledge your need for him and receive his love and forgiveness. So finally then, how should we respond? Come to Jesus. Come and gaze upon that empty cross this morning. Come like Alexander Solzhenitsyn and recognise the hope that is found in those two simple lines. Once a symbol of torture and now forever a symbol of hope. 
hope of death conquered and life yet to come. Let's remember the lives of those killed in war this morning and mourn with those who mourn. But let's look too to those shining white crosses and the hope which they encapsulate. This is not the end for all who will come and take refuge in Jesus and receive the love and salvation which God extends to us through him. And let's take heart for the ongoing pandemic we find ourselves living through at the moment. For this too will pass. It will not have the last word on our lives. When we are tempted to give up or to lose hope, remember that God is with us. He is walking with us in our suffering, enabling us through the hope we find in the cross to pick up our tools and to carry on. At times recently, I have felt so much like giving up. Sometimes life just seems too hard and I want to run away. And running feels much easier than fighting. But it isn't. Jesus shows us that in him we can fight any battle and win. Even death, our greatest enemy in this life, is no match for the risen Jesus. If he overcame the grave, he can overcome a virus. And so we pick up our shovel, like Alexander Solzhenitsyn, and we carry on as we wait patiently for the day when Jesus returns or calls us home to that glorious, pain and tear-free eternity with him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you came to the earth walked among us and died upon that cross, taking with you all our pain and our sin and our guilt. Lord, thank you that you know what it is to suffer. The Lord, that when we are suffering, we can take comfort in the knowledge that you suffer with us and you have suffered for us. Lord, thank you for the hope that we see in the cross, that death is not the end. It does not have the final answer on our lives, but there is hope of more to come. Eternity in heaven with you for all who will trust in Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would come and comfort us in our suffering and our mourning this morning. And Lord, that you would give us hope and the strength to carry on waiting patiently for your return. In Jesus' name. Amen. And I want to just finish with this blessing from uh, Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, our Father, who loves us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Amen.